Hello, welcome back to the Art of Dating podcast. This is your host, Kayla. And today we're with uh, Angie and Ryan Eggett as they talk about the power of choice. Um, I loved this episode so much, and I'm sure you're going to enjoy it as well. Um, we, Ryan and Angie talk a lot about um, the power of choosing someone to marry that you know you'll be compatible with rather than waiting for the one to come around. Because if we're waiting for the one to come around, then we might wait an eternity for that to happen. And so Ryan and Angie talk a lot about um, the power of choosing someone that you know you'll be compatible with and you know that you'll love forever. In my opinion, that makes the the hard times easier to manage and it makes the the easy points in your marriage that much more enjoyable because you know that you've chosen the person that you want to spend the rest of your life with. Anyway, you don't want to miss this episode. And with that, I'll just turn it right over to Angie and Ryan. What do you guys have for us today? Hello, friends, and welcome to The Art of Dating, Making the Marriage Decision, Part 2, also Episode 17. I'm Ryan Agate, and I'm here with my awesome wife, Angie Agate. Hello. Yeah, look at that. She's, she's getting a little more vocal on these episodes. Not that I could say she loves them. But uh, we're going to just take you through part two. We're going to actually break this next topic into part two and part three. Last time we talked about four ideas in terms of making the marriage decision. If you've been following along to the different episodes, then you know we've talked a lot about being compatible with the person that you're dating and that you're contemplating marrying. And then we talked last time about four reasons or, or four um, things that you want to look for when you're considering the marriage decision. First of all was the, the quote by David O. McKay about studying the person's disposition, studying their inheritance, really what we would call dating, right? Dating to see um, what that person is like and, and learning about their attributes. Second is dating to, to see how compatible or to see how attracted you are to them. And we talked about the five different areas of attraction. So first, you're studying to get to know the person. Second, you're kind of measuring your emotions and your feelings in terms of attraction and that social and spiritual and physical and mental, emotional. And then third, looking at your personality, looking at their personality and saying, okay, so how compatible are these two personalities with each other? And then as you, as you measure those and map those out, we talked about looking at two, like two different gears and seeing how well they mesh. And then the fourth is, um, is that person ready to be married? Are they ready to go to the temple with me? And are we both in positions where marriage is the, the logical next step in our lives? So, you know, that would take, that would wipe out that 16 year old relationship usually where you go, you know, we have a lot of these things. They're a great person. I'm attracted. We're compatible. But the next logical step is not going to the temple, right? If you're if you're 16, or if if one or the other of you is not heading in the temple direction, then that's something that we would strongly uh, advise you to reconsider until you are heading in that temple direction. So let's then talk about the next step. So let me let's again we're going to do a four uh, four principles here. Let's talk about these again. So tonight in part two, we're talking about considerations for making the choice to get engaged. Let's go back. Number one. Is this a right person for me? Or in other words, is the person I'm dating, do they have the qualities that I want in a spouse? So see some of your notes from our last episode, right? Number two, do 
Do I feel the natural affection towards them that should exist? Right? That's from our last one as well, that attraction. Number three, are we compatible and are we living so that we can go to the temple? Right? That's from last time. Let's add this one as tonight's number four. How does the Lord feel about this decision then? If if I've got the things that we talked about in, in episode one and it seems to be going to, to all right, and this is the most important decision you're going to make, right, according to President Kimball, if this is that most important decision, I want to make sure I get a confirmation from the Lord because we know that He knows if this is a good decision for you. And so let's talk tonight, at least for at least part of it, Let's talk tonight about, or in this episode, let's talk about how do I know if this is a good decision and can I get a confirmation from the Lord? Let me just share with you um, some some ideas of, of getting that confirmation. The first idea, remember that it's your responsibility to find someone. This is a big challenge for young adults today. It's to find someone and not to find the one who was already chosen for you. So it's your responsibility to find someone. Let's just, let's review maybe some of the things that we've talked about before. President or Elder Uchtdorf, he had just, he had just been uh, released from the First Presidency when he gave this statement. I know this may be a disappointment for some of you, he says, but I don't believe there's only one right person for you. I think I fell in love with my wife, Harriet, from the first moment I saw her. Nevertheless, had she decided to marry someone else, I believe I would have met and fallen in love with someone else. I'm eternally grateful that this didn't happen, but I don't believe she was my one chance at happiness in this life, nor was I hers. So the first statement is, it's your responsibility to find someone. You're not trying to find the one. You're trying to find someone that you're compatible with. We've used that statement by President Uchtdorf last time, Elder Uchtdorf last time. Let's use uh, one from this time, President Kimball. While marriage is difficult, and I think he's saying, well, it can be difficult, right? And discordant, frustrated marriages are common, yet real lasting happiness is possible. And marriage can be a more exultant ecstasy than the human mind can conceive. We've also used that one before. This is within the reach now. This is where we're, this is new for our quote here. This is within the reach of every couple, every person. Soulmates are fiction and an illusion. So that person that you're trying to find, just the one. Soulmates are fiction and an illusion. And while every young man and young woman will seek with all diligence and prayerfulness to find a mate with whom they can be most compatible and beautiful, yet or, or with whom life can be most compatible and beautiful, yet it is certain that almost any good man and any good woman can have happiness and a successful marriage if both are willing to pay the price. That talk is from Oneness in Marriage, Ensign March 1977. Let me just read that one critical line again. Soulmates are fiction and an illusion. Right? And if you'll diligently and prayerfully try to find the one with whom life can be most beautiful, almost any good man and good woman can make that work. I don't think that what he's saying, and I think some people took this quote way too far, in saying, it doesn't really matter who you marry. If both of you are righteous, you're going to be happy. Right? Ange, what do you think in terms of, uh, you know, I think we, we've both seen people use this and, and use this quote maybe as a club to say any two righteous people could get married then. Stop stop being so worried about the decision and just find someone and get married. Well, I suppose that in one sense that is true, but 
compatibility is so important. I mean, you just even think about that with the people you choose to hang out with, your friends. You know, you, you choose people that have similar interests because you enjoy doing the same things, so it's fun to get together and do things. That'll be true throughout your whole life. So I think that's where compatibility really is is a key component of the whole picture and not just you could marry any righteous yeah, person. you could marry any righteous person. And I think also it, it also lends to that idea of and how much work will it take. Two people that aren't really in love or that aren't compatible could get married and with an extreme amount of work, right, they could make that into a wonderful marriage. But sometimes you go, wow, you could eliminate a lot of that tension, the discord, all of that. You could eliminate that by finding someone with whom you're most compatible. And I like that President Kimball then says, soulmates are a fiction. Don't go out and try to find the one. Go out and find one that you go, this is a person that I'd like to marry. Just let's follow that up with, uh, with uh, Joseph Fielding Smith when he was an apostle. On Pathway to Perfection, page 44, he says, We have no scriptural justification, however, for the belief that we had the privilege of choosing our parents and our life companions in the spirit world. Now, that may be true in some individual cases, but he says, generally, right? We have no scriptural justification that we had the privilege of choosing our companions in the spirit world. This belief has been advocated by some, and I believe it's possible that in some instances it is true. But it would require too great a stretch of the imagination to believe that to be so in all or even in the majority of cases. So there may be, like I always tease, you know, maybe Adam and Eve were destined for each other, and Abraham and Sarah. But I think that causes more more tension, more confusion, more, oh, is this the person that I was predestined to marry? I think that just causes more frustration for a young adult than to go in and say, this is how Heavenly Father wants me to do it. He wants me to choose someone of my choosing. And then come and confirm that choice with Him. So there's number one. It's your responsibility. So set aside some of the fear of, is this the one that I should have found? Or what if there's another the one out there? Set aside that and know that Heavenly Father is expecting you to choose someone, according to President Monson. Not the one, but you're supposed to find someone and choose that person. Let's go to number two. Now that we have all that in mind, you should know everything you can. Let's, let me just say number two then. Seek to know the mind of our Heavenly Father by first learning all you can about what He has already taught about marriage and the plan of salvation. So sometimes I will get young adults who come in to, to talk to me and they're like, oh, I don't know if this marriage is right. And as they describe it, I think, wow, if you had ever read anything the prophets had said about marriage, you would know this is not a good marriage. Or, you know, if you had done your homework in terms of what has God taught us about marriage, when is a good time for marriage? What am I looking for in marriage? What will, you know, Heavenly Father has taught us quite a bit about that. And I think once he's taught something and it's out there for us to be able to access, that he expects us to go out and learn about it right? and to find it, to access it. You know, he's not going to give every individual all the details about how resurrection, right, that there is a resurrection, when some of that could already be found in the scriptures. He expects you to go into the scriptures and find the doctrine that's in there already, that he's already revealed. And I think we see that sometimes with young adults and, and adults that are wanting to get married, that they're saying, you know, I wonder if this is good. I'm going to pray about it. And I want to say, make sure that you've done some of your homework before you pray. 
I think the Lord, let's take the Book of Mormon, Book of Mormon for example. I think the Lord expects you to have read some of the book, to have studied the book, right? Moroni says, when you have received these things and you're pondering on them, then ask God. And if, if you haven't studied any of Heavenly Father's words about marriage or, right, if you haven't got to know, gotten to know uh, Doctrine and Covenants 132 or any of these great talks of the modern prophets and you haven't done your due diligence, I think you're going to be hard-pressed to get a revelation. Well, I think that's true with anything that we do. Um, if if we want to know if something's right or good, we, we do go out and find it out all that we can about that certain thing. It would be silly to say, I mean, it goes take a test, and I haven't studied for the test. That's same kind of a line of thought. Yeah. So let's. So that knowledge. Once you have that knowledge, this is still part of number two here. Once you have that knowledge, you're probably going to have a pretty good idea of whether Heavenly Father's going to confirm your decision or not confirm it. Right. You're going to have a pretty a pretty good idea, a preliminary idea at least, of how of how he is likely to feel about this potential marriage. Well, I think along the way, as you're studying it, you're already going to have impressions. Right, right. If, you, if you're doing your homework, right? For example, what does this paragraph then tell you about how Heavenly Father is going to feel about your marriage? We, the First Presidency and the Council of the Twelve Apostles of the Church of Jesus Christ, solemnly proclaim that marriage between a man and a woman is ordained of God, and that the family is central to the Creator's plan, for the eternal destiny of his children. That can already tell you some things that how Heavenly Father is going to feel about your marriage. First, if you're a man and a woman and you're desiring to get married, generally he's in favor of that, right? Because he is ordaining, which means to command by superior authority. He's ordaining that. He is wanting you to get married. So I think a lot of people that are saying, oh, I'm going to try to seek confirmation. If they've done their homework and it's compatible, right? They're compatible and they've studied it out, that I think most people get that confirmation because they, this is what God wants is for us to get married. But, but part of the problem is when we haven't done our own due diligence, right? When we, we give no thought save it's to ask Heavenly Father, hey, should I marry this person? And we're going to talk about that a little bit more. Let, let me give you another example here. This is from President or from Elder Holland. I don't know why I want to call everybody President today. This is from Elder Holland. And this is him describing marriage. Uh, quote, Brothers and sisters, I think we have to start earlier to teach our students the place of marriage and family in the great plan of happiness. Waiting until they are of marriageable age puts us way behind the curve. Waiting until they're of marriageable age to teach them, he's saying. And I don't have to tell you that social trends, declining moral standards, and the vain imagination of popular entertainment will regularly be in opposition to that teaching. We have our work cut out for us to preserve and perpetuate both the holiness and the happiness of marriage. The more we study what the brethren are teaching about marriage, what Heavenly Father is teaching about marriage through the brethren, we're going to go, wow, this is something that, that Heavenly Father wants for me. He wants me to be married. And, and as we study these different doctrines and these different talks, we're going to find that what I'm doing is going to please Heavenly Father and, and the way I'm doing it. For example... If you study 132, verses 17 through 20, you're going to know that Heavenly Father wants you and expects you and anticipates that you're going to get into an eternal marriage because that's what he said. So I would think if you went to Heavenly Father in prayer and said, this is not a marriage that's going to be in the temple or this is not, 
you know, this is a, a marriage that's outside of our religion, that first of all, you should have done your homework to say, has he said anything about that? And yes, he has said about that, right? He's, he's, he's given us the consequences of marrying outside of the covenant, and he delineates those in the Doctrine and Covenants. So let's go on to number three. Based on everything you've learned about marriage, so right, number two is learning about marriage. Based on everything you've learned about marriage, the plan of salvation, and your potential spouse, and yourself, and your compatibility. So up to this point, boy, you've done a lot, right? You've studied about marriage. You've studied your potential spouse. You've reflected on yourself. You've learned about the plan of salvation. You've, you've, you've measured the compatibility between the two of you. Once you've done that, then it's your responsibility to make an informed decision. And this is where it's so important. This is where I think, wow, we sometimes get way off of, of the rail here. Where someone comes and says, okay, I'm dating this person. I can't tell you, this probably happens to me every week. And they come in and say, I've been praying and asking Heavenly Father if I should marry this person, right? And you go, wait, according to, to the, the third step, which we've pulled right out of the words of prophets, after you've done all of that you can, then it's your respons- responsibility to make an informed decision. So where do we get that from? Let me share with you three different quotes. This one is from the First Presidency in... You can find this in Messages of the First Presidency of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, Volume 4, page, page 205. So Joseph F. Smith was the president here. He says, Man is the child of God, formed in the divine image and endowed with divine attributes. And even as the infant son or daughter of an earthly father and mother is capable in due time of becoming a man, so the undeveloped offspring of celestial parentage is capable by experience through ages and eons of evolving into a God. So one of the things that our Heavenly Father wants us to do is learn to make decisions. And I think that's why he says, I want you to make the decision and then have me confirm the decision. I don't want me to make the decision, right? Heavenly Father doesn't want to make our marriage decision because that's one of the greatest opportunities of your life is to make the biggest decision of your life. And so instead of him, him saying, come to me and let me make your decision, he's saying, I want you to study it. I want you to study out all these different aspects, right? Think of your personality, his or her personality. How compatible are you? Are you on the, are you on the trail to the temple? Study all of that out. Make a decision. Because the opportunity to make that decision will be one of the most godly things that you do. Let's follow that up with a quote then by Elder Christofferson. This is from October 2014. It is his plan, quote, it is his plan and his will that we have the principal decision-making role in our own life's drama. In other words, who should be making most of the decisions in your life? You should. It is his will, I'm going to read this again, it is his plan and his will that we should have the principal decision-making role in our own life's drama. God will not live our lives for us, nor control us, nor control us as if we were his puppets, as Lucifer once proposed to do. Nor will his prophets accept the role of puppet master in God's place. Now that's really significant that we should have the principal decision-making role in our own life's drama. That's that not only speaks to agency, but it also speaks to growth, right? 
that when you go, he wants you to learn to make decisions. But you go, but this is such a big decision. I, I can't tell you how many young adults I've had. But this is such a big decision. You've got all these prophets saying, this won't only affect you, but your children, your children's 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 children. And, and if you mess this one up, wow, will you destroy generations? You know, you hear those kinds of quotes, they scare you to death. Why would he say then, okay, in the middle of all of your emotions, I want you to make the decision? I can't help but think that um, when you're making this decision, though, you're invested into it. Instead of just going, somebody told me to do something. When you decide to do something good, bad, you're invested in it. And so you're working towards something instead of just going, Somebody told me to do something, so I'm doing it. Oh, wow, that's great. You know, one time I was in high... Thanks, Ange. One time I was in high priest group, back when they used to have high priest group, right? Three-hour church, beehives, all that stuff. Um, back when I was uh, in high priest group one time, they were talking about marriage, and, and the Budges, who live in our neighborhood, Brother Budge was in the, in the meeting, and he said, you know, one time when I was a young married couple... I think I told this story in another episode, but it's worth repeating. When I was a young married... They were playing like a newlywed game and they asked each one of us to say something we didn't like about our spouse and then they were going to try to guess what it was we didn't like about them. And everybody was giving their answers and they came to me, this young newlywed uh, man, and they said, what's something you don't like about Sister Budge? And he said, why would I do that? Why would I say that? After all, I chose her. And you go, wow, when you have made that choice, you are so invested. As opposed to an arranged marriage where you go, I never wanted to marry you, right? And in the middle of an argument or in the middle of a discussion, you may say something like, why did my dad choose you? Or why did God tell me to marry you? I never wanted to marry you. As opposed to going, you know, I married you because I love you. And I loved you. And I still want to love you. I married you because I found we were compatible. So there is a good reason for marrying you. So having this decision... It's so important, right? That we get the chance to make the decision ourselves. Don't quit the episode because there's one more one more here that you've got to pair with this, right? Let's just jump into DNC 9-7. This one I already quoted a little bit. The Lord says, Behold, you have not understood. You have supposed that I would give it unto you, the answer to whatever your issue is, when you took no thought save it was to ask me. And this he's talking, right? He's talking to Oliver about being able to translate. But he says, you should have done more. Verse 8. But behold, I say unto you that you must study it out in your mind. For us, in this episode, that means really, you should study out, you should date. You should look at your compatibility. You should talk to other people about what, as they look at you from the outside, do, is this a happy couple, right? Not that you're going to base it all on that, but that you should talk to your parents. How do you feel about this? Are they, you know, Am I being blinded by love? But you must study it out in your mind. Then here comes the part. Then you must ask me if it be right. Now let's let's pause there and skip down to this next one. So Elder McConkie says, and this is from Why the Lord Ordained Prayer from 1976, January Ensign. He says, use both agency and prayer. It is not, never has been, and never will be the design and purpose of the Lord, however much we seek him in prayer, to answer all our problems and concerns without struggle and effort on our part. This mortality is a probationary estate. If in it, in it we have our agency, 
We are being tested to see how we will respond in various situations, how we, how we will decide issues, what course we will pursue while, while we are, while we are, wow, that's tough, while we are here walking not by sight, but by faith. Hence, we are to solve our own problems and then to counsel with the Lord in prayer and receive a spiritual confirmation that our decisions are correct. Well, you're going to know what our fourth what our fourth step is right here if you've been listening, right? Our fourth step is, have I confirmed that decision with Heavenly Father, right? And, and let's then let's follow this up. So here's one from Elder Oaks. So number three, then this step three would be make your own informed decision. And step four would be take your decision to the Lord, right? To Heavenly Father. Take your decision to Heavenly Father in prayer and ask if your decision is right, right? Now, here's where we have some of the best quotes. Now, I'll try to give you all the references for them because you're going to like this, uh, or at least who's saying them. This is Elder Oaks, and you can just search this. It's in a general conference. He says, A desire to be led by the Lord is a strength, right? To include the Lord in your decisions. But it needs to be accompanied by an understanding that our Heavenly Father leaves many decisions for our personal choices. What do you want to do? I think he often would ask. If we say, should I do this? I think a lot of the time his answer is going to be, what do you want to do? I remember one of the 12, uh, 12 coming to the institute where I teach. And he, we were talking about prayer and how the Father answers prayer. And he said, you know, uh, we were talking about some young adults are having that kind of FOMO experience. And they can't make decisions because they're so afraid of making a wrong decision or missing out on something that might come along better. And he said, let me share with you an experience. I had a grandson. His mom called me and said, he cannot make up his mind on a major. Would you have him come talk to you? He said, sure, send him up. So he went to meet with his grandpa. And he said, you know, I think they were expecting that I'd get a revelation for him. But he said, this is how the conversation went. He came in and I said, so I said, you know, you're going to school. Yes, you're trying to figure out what, yes, yes. He said, what do you like to do? He said, well, I really like working with computers. And he said, are you good at working with computers? And he said, yeah, I am good at that. And he said, great, then there's your decision, right? If it's what you like to do and you're good at doing it, then I would major in computer science. And he said, and that's what he did. He went off and majored in computer science. Now, of course, having made that decision, what we're saying here is that this additional step will help ensure that you haven't made a wrong decision. Make your decision, then confirm it with the Lord. Let's go back to Elder Oaks's quote. He says, Heavenly Father leaves many decisions for our personal choices. Personal decision-making is one of the sources of the growth we are meant to experience in mortality. I want to read that again because it's so important. Personal decision-making is one of the sources of the growth we are meant to experience in mortality. Let's go with this one little short story here then from Elder Gong. This is from October 2019. Elder Gong, I think, experienced this so perfectly. He said, when Sister Gong and I were falling in love toward marriage, I learned about agency and decisions. And this is how he learned it. When I asked Heavenly Father, should I marry Susan? I felt peace. But obviously he didn't feel like it was a complete answer. Back to the quote. Quote, but it was when I learned to pray with real intent. Quote, Heavenly Father, I love Susan. I want to marry her. 
I promise I will be the best husband and father I can be. When I acted and made my best decisions, it was then that the strongest spiritual confirmations came. So I like this because he says, you know, not everyone knows this, you know, this, these pieces of prayer. And probably some people have prayed and said, should I, and received answers from Heavenly Father, because that's the best they knew. But he says, if you want to have stronger confirmations, if you want to really benefit from having made decisions, this is the way. You make the decision. You then approach saying, here is my decision. This is what I want to do. Is this decision correctly? Perhaps the greatest quote on this uh, is given by Marion G. Romney. And it's, well, now it's 50 years old, October 1961 conference report. Um, but I love President Rom, Elder Romney. He just sums this up so perfectly from start to finish. Let me read it. My brothers and sisters, he says, quote, We need to seek the Spirit. We need to realize that it is a real guide. Now I tell you that you can make every decision in your life correctly if, now that's a huge, wow, if anybody ever says you can make every anything, every decision, I've got my ears on, right? If you can learn to follow the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Oh, and then I go, oh, now, now how do I do that? That's a whole new question. Well, he's got another paragraph. He's going to help us out. This you can do if you will discipline yourself to yield your own feelings to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Of the Spirit. Study your problems. Okay, so the first thing he says is, this you can do if you will discipline yourselves to yield your own feelings to the promptings of the Spirit. And have you ever had the experience where you go, I want something so badly, I'm not sure if my response is coming from the from heaven or if it's just me wanting it so bad that I I'm making this up in my mind. I think that's why everyone needs this podcast is because everybody's felt that way, I believe, about one thing or another that you want something so bad that you can't judge if you're you're wanting it so bad that it's all seems perfect and wonderful and yes that was my decision and yes I got my confirmation or yeah it's just all yeah and that's difficult. I think that happens when you have not committed to yield your own feelings. Let me just read again. He says, yield your own feelings to the promptings of the Spirit. Uh, Moroni calls that real intent, right? Elder Gong just called it real intent. When you say, Heavenly Father, I'm willing to go either way on this. This is what I want. This is where my heart is. But if you give me the opposite answer, then I'm going to do that. And no matter how much you say that in words, it has to be real intent in your heart. Because if Heavenly Father doesn't believe you have real intent, I think your chances of getting an answer are very slim. I, I totally can remember one young adult, I was talking about marriage with her and her marriage decision. And from everything I'd ever taught, read, and learned from the Lord about marriage, this was not going to be a good decision. Uh, not only that, but, but because of some uh, other details and experiences, I knew that these two parties were not living worthy of having, of having the spirit in their lives. They were doing numerous things that would be, you know, clouding their judgment and blocking the spirit from their lives. And when she said, "Oh, I've had my spiritual confirmation," my first, not to be judgmental, but my first thought was, that would be hard, considering the situation you're in. For one, 
I know you're not willing to yield your own feelings because this is what you're going to do. And you've already told everybody, come hell or high water, I'm doing this, right? For two, you're not living in a way to be able to receive that, right? Your heart is in no way for that, in no way prepared for that. So back to the quote, be prepared by yielding your own feelings to the promptings of the spirit. Then he's going to go to where we've gone all night here. Study your problems, right? Do all of that study and prayerfully make a decision. Now here's where it becomes brilliant. Then take that decision and say to him in a simple, honest supplication, Father, I want to make the right decision. Not I want to do this. I want to make the right decision. I want to do the right thing. This is what I think I should do, right? Here's my decision. Let me know if it is the right course. Doing this, you can get the burning in your bosom if your decision is right. And that burning in your bosom, uh, President Eyring described as peace, good feelings, right? Now, sometimes we stop there because I've had young adults say, I didn't get that burning. I don't know. Uh, so it must be a no. But he goes on. If you do not get that burning, he doesn't say assume it's a no. He says, if you do not get that burning, then change your decision and submit a new one. I think a lot of us, I read this the other day in one of our classes. And when I read that little paragraph, someone was like, you know, gave that gasp like, oh, I've never even thought of changing the decision. I just prayed, said, should I do this? And I didn't get feelings. So I assumed it was no. I didn't think, well, I'm going to now say, okay, I never got the feeling. I prayed, I studied. I'm now going to change my, my decision to maybe I'm not going to do this and submit that one. If you do not get that burning, then change your decision and submit a new one. When you learn to walk by the Spirit, you need never make a mistake. So, there he, there he really sums up everything we've talked about, right? Where you say, okay, um, you're going to want to yield your feelings. You're going to have studied. You're going to have done your due diligence. You're going to make the decision prayerfully. Then you're going to take the decision with a real intent heart and say, this is what I want to do, but I'm willing to do whatever you say. And then based on the feelings and impressions you get, either, oh, I got my acceptance or I got, I didn't get that. So I'm going to change my decision and submit a new one. So where would we go next from here? I can tell you exactly where we, where we go with young adults. All of them raise their hand and go, how do I know if I'm feeling the spirit, right? How do I know if I've got an answer? Or what if you pray and you don't get the good and you change your answer to a no and you don't get the peaceful feeling again? What if you didn't get a yes or a no? What am I supposed to do then? How long should I just keep dating the person indefinitely? That's where we're going to go in the next episode is, okay, what do you do with yeses? What do you do with noes? What do you do with when you get no answer? You know, the brethren have spoken about that and have some really great things to say to help us come up, you know, to, to understand, understanding the answer that you get when you pray for confirmation. That will be our next episode. So let's just recap this as we, as we wrap up here. And Ange, is there anything you want to add to this? No, that's great. Number one, remember that it's your responsibility to find someone. Now, there's two little pieces to that. It's your responsibility. And find someone. Not to find the one who's already been chosen for you, right? That's your responsibility. Number two, seek to know the mind of our Heavenly Father by learning all you can about what He's already taught about marriage and the plan. 
So if you're going to go to him and ask for an answer to something, make sure that you know what he's taught about that topic. It'll give you a much better chance of receiving an answer. Number three, based on everything you've learned about marriage, the plan of salvation, your potential spouse, and yourself, make an informed decision. And sometimes, you know, I'll have young adults say, oh, my friend just got engaged or got, got divorced and I knew it was going to happen because they'd only dated one week. And I say, you know, you might be right because had they actually done their due diligence, right? Had they, had they learned about the plan? Had they learned about marriage? Had they learned about the potential spouse? Had they learned about themselves? Had they mashed up, you know, their compatibility? So after you've done all of that, make an informed decision. And then of course, number four, Take that decision to Heavenly Father and ask for a confirmation or for, uh, right, or for a different feeling. And then continue to submit decisions until you can say, I feel good about the decision that I've made. If I, if I didn't get a yes, this is interesting because I've had some students say, I didn't get a yes, so I changed it to a no, and I didn't get a no. And now what am I supposed to do? Right? I didn't get a yes or a no. Where do I go from here? And that's where we're going to pick it up in the next episode. But I would also have to say, I have found that most people who have done their due diligence take their decision to the Lord that they're going to get married. And most people get that confirmation because the will of Heavenly Father is that we marry. Marriage is ordained of God between a man and a woman. That is, right, that's one of the central, the family is the central feature of the plan of salvation with the Savior Jesus Christ being the central figure, making it all possible and making it all happen. Anything else you want to add to that? No. No, but I'll just say the reason why this episode is coming out a little bit late is because my parents, uh, Raj and Bev Agat, just celebrated their 60th wedding anniversary last night. We had a big party for them here at our house, and we were busy this week putting things together for that uh, anniversary. So happy anniversary to Raj and Bev, who I'm sure won't be listening to this because they've been married 60 years. But you know, a little dating advice never hurts no longer, no matter how long you've been married. Thanks, everyone, for joining us, and we will uh, see you next week to talk more about understanding the impressions that you get when you pray about your marriage decision. Bye-bye. Bye. Before you finish listening to this episode, I just want to thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Art of Dating podcast. I realize we were a little bit late getting this episode out to podcast land. It was a hectic week, I'll tell you what. But um, tune in next week for another episode of the Art of Dating podcast again on Tuesday. And if you have any questions in the meantime, feel free to reach out to us. We have an email address you can send an email to. It is theartofdatingpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can reach out to us on Facebook. and We have a page called The Art of Dating Podcast. Um, thank you so much for listening and we'll, we'll catch you next week. Bye.